Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Can I just stop right there for a moment? Pray for one another that you would be restored, that you would be restored. Do you remember when Job prayed for his friends? Things turned. Things turned, why? He prayed for his friends. Hallelujah. So he says here, pray for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Tremendous power is available when you pray. Hallelujah. The effectual, fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It's available. It's available. It's available for God. It's available. It's God's power made available in that situation. There are times that you're praying for other people that you've made power available and they just haven't yielded to it. But you have stocked the shelves. If they choose to reach for it and pull it off the shelf and put it to work in their life, it's made available to them. You can't make them take it, but it's available. The power is available. And he's telling us to pray for one another. That's the context of what he's praying for, the earnest, heartfelt prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working And then he begins to use Elijah as an example of how prayer makes tremendous power available. He said Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Why did no rain fall on the earth for three years and six months? I'll give you two reasons. Number one, it was the will of God. And number two, it's because Elijah prayed. It was already the will of God, and that's why God said, you go tell Ahab that it's not going to rain until you, you say it will rain. So God wanted it, but... Elijah initiated and and brought God's will into manifestation on the earth. It was God's will. God wanted it. He wasn't praying something contrary to the will of God. God had already expressed, this is my will to Elijah. But Elijah had to activate or initiate or apply the will of God in that situation because God has delegated on the earth the authority to man. And so he needed a man on the earth to pray his will into that situation. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer makes tremendous power available. Elijah made tremendous power available when he prayed and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again. Why did he pray again? Why did he pray again? Because God told him, you go tell Ahab it's going to rain. 
In other words, now I'm telling you my will is that it rain now. And so he prayed again. So he's praying in line with the will of God. He's not just praying randomly without first identifying what God's will is for me to get my prayer in line with. He has identified the will of God, and he's praying in line with the will. He prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced crops as usual. So why did it rain? Because it was the will of God, and Elijah prayed the will of God. Amen? So now we see that he has used this example when telling us about prayer, about our prayer, about the prayers that we pray, uh, in identifying to you and I to pray for one another, he is telling us there is power made available when you pray for each other. That power that's made available is the will of God. It's being activated. It's being applied in that situation because you are praying. Hallelujah. So now we see that we have a ministry in prayer. We have a responsibility in prayer. When, when we talk about, for instance, this morning we were talking about the covenant we have because of the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have all the benefits that come with that covenant. We have all of the, the privileges that have been granted to us, the redemption, the salvation, everything that's ours. But it also comes with responsibility that we have access to God we have a covenant with God that can be a lifeline to people who don't. It can, it can mean the difference of the enemy holding them in bondage or us helping them get free by praying against what the enemy's doing in their life, praying that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light so that they could know what is the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If we're not praying it, who is resisting the enemy? They can't. They don't have the power to resist the enemy uh, in their own strength. And so the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous makes tremendous power available that is dynamic in its working. And he is specifically connecting this with us praying for each other. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 2 and 5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power that's made available is not our power. It's not prayer power. It's God power. Our faith stands in the power of God, and he has just identified how we can loose that power into a situation. How we, can, how we can put that power on a specific dilemma in our life. He said that our prayers make that power available and our faith stands in the power of God. That is where our, our expectation, our confidence is rooted. That God's power can turn this situation. That God has the power to change that that. That, that situation. He has the power to turn it. He has the power to make whatever the enemy has meant for evil, God can turn it for my good. Amen? 
So our faith stands in this power of God that is made available by us praying for one another. Yeah, I was uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Brother Daryl brought up uh, uh, something he had just read in one of Brother Hagen's books. He was talking to me. He said, Brother Hagen was talking about praying the power down. Anybody ever heard Brother Hagen talk about that story when he, would, uh, when he was first pastoring? And he would, uh, there was this one sister in the church. She lived close enough to the church that her son could run to the church. It was still a few blocks away, but uh, they, they would, he said, I would just be getting ready for church to start, you know, and I would have just this limited amount of time. And her little boy would come running in saying, mama's in the bed. Hers, she's down in her back. You've got to come and pray. You got to come and pray right now. Mama says, you got to come and pray right now. And so brother Hagen said, I just had enough time. I thought, okay, if I run over there, I can pray and, and, and run back. He said, uh, he said, it, when I would go in, I would pray. He said, I would have to pray until the power of God would begin to fall. And then she would sense the power of God and she'd reach up and receive it. And she'd get up out of bed and she'd be okay. And he said, I got it down to pretty quick. I was, I was you know, working so that I could, you know, I could get there. And I, I'm, I got to get back to church. So I got to pray the power down. We don't have any time for playing around here. We're going to have to pray the power down. But what he was identifying was that he was accessing a flow of God's power that, that in, in his praying brought into manifestation the strength that her body needed, and she would recognize when that power began to fall, and she would reach up. In another situation, he was talking about the time that he had went to uh, pray for Sister Tyler. Anybody ever remember him talking about Sister Tyler? She had arthritis so bad that she was in a wheelchair. And God had, had um, uh, given him instruction. He went with his wife and, and I think maybe two other ladies from the church to go pray for Sister Tyler. And he said, as we were praying, the power of God came on her so strong that it lifted her up about an inch out of her wheelchair. She could sense the power of God. She recognized that the power of God was available, but then she opened up her mouth and said, no, I can't get healed. I can't get healed. And the moment she said that, she, she fell back into her chair. The power of God was available. The tremendous power was made available by their praying yet it wasn't received and applied in that situation. It was available, but she resisted the power of God and held on to the situation that she was in. So we want to recognize the, the praying the power, making available in the lives of the people that we're praying for. We also want to recognize there are people praying for us. If, if nobody else is praying for you, your pastors are praying for you. Amen. Amen. So, so you can say, I know somebody's praying for me because my pastors pray for me. Amen? Amen. And so we're making tremendous power. You also have to be able to yield to that power, to work with that power, to say there's power available to me in this situation. I am not at a disadvantage God will help me. The power of God's available to help me in this situation, so I yield to it. Amen. Let's look at Acts 4, and, and let's see examples of power being made available. Acts chapter 4, 
and verse 31. This is right after they had been beaten and threatened not to preach anymore in Jesus' name. They came back to their own company. They came back to the group of believers who believed the way they believed. And they said, they've threatened us not to preach anymore in Jesus' name. We're going to call on God. And they prayed this united prayer, this corporate prayer, asking God to stretch forth his hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be done, and that God would grant them boldness. But they've been threatened not to preach, and they're not asking, Lord, strike those people down. They're saying, Lord, give us boldness. We've been threatened not to preach, but give us boldness. And it says, when they had prayed. What happens when you pray? Power's made available. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, they'd been filled with the Holy Ghost before. These are the disciples who had been in the upper room. So many of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost before. But there's a a scripture that says, be being filled. And that's the, the literal Greek of that phrase, be being filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. So one filling's not enough because we've been drinking of that supply, haven't we? Amen? So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They spoke the word of God with boldness. With boldness. That's what they prayed for. Power had been made available, and there was an immediate response of that power made available. And the rest of what they prayed came to pass in chapter 5. God stretched forth his hand and did healings and mighty signs and wonders and miracles by the hands of the apostles. Hallelujah. So power was made available. What if they'd never prayed that? What if they'd never asked God to do that? Because they asked, they received. Because they made the petition, because they they made the request, God had a legal right to release that power into their situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here we see that the power was made available. Look at verse 33 in the same chapter. It says, with great power, with great power. Where'd that power come from? When we pray, tremendous power is made available. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And then as I mentioned, 512 of the next chapter, it says, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Well, that was the power of God too. That was the power of God working the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, they asked for the working of this power and it was made available through their prayers. Acts chapter 12, let's see another instance where tremendous power was made available in the praying. Because you and I, we have a ministry of prayer. Every believer is a prayer. Every believer. There's no one who is set aside specifically and and you're in an elite category of prayers. No, we're all prayers. Amen. We're all called to the ministry of prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. And now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. 
And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four, four quaternions, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So the, he killed James, the brother of John, and now he's taken Peter. Now James, the brother of John, was one of the leaders in the church, right? And now, that, now here's Peter, who is an integral part of the leadership that Jesus left to steer and to guide the church in direction. It says Peter now has been taken into the prison, and if it hadn't been for this holiday, they, he would have tried to put him to death, but because of this holiday, he's waiting till after this holiday. And it says in verse 5, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but tremendous power was made available. It says prayer, but we know what happens when prayer happens. Prayer's not empty. Prayer's not, prayer's not spinning the wheels. Prayer's not a waste of time. Prayer's not a roll of the dice. Prayer is making tremendous power, God's power. God's power available. God's power available. So it says, but tremendous power was made available without ceasing. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So prayer made power available. And in that power being made available, the angels walked right in to where Peter was being held prisoner. The prisoners never were brought to any awareness that there were angels and that Peter was walking out. But Peter just walked out. The gates opened before him. He just walked. Why? Because tremendous power had been made available. The angels were only there because tremendous power had been made available. Those angels could have helped John, but there was no power made available. I'm sorry, James, the brother of John. There was nobody making power available for James, the brother of John. It happened before they could rally the troops and get the power flowing. Hallelujah. It wasn't God's plan for James, the brother of John, to die by the sword. It wasn't God's plan. The enemy got one over on them. The adversary caught it before they could realize, wait a minute, we've got to pray. We've got to make some power available in this situation for God to move. Amen. And Peter walked out of that prison through the power that was made available in the praying. It wasn't just the angels because the angels wouldn't have had any authorization to be there if someone on earth hadn't made power available for those angels to go to work in that situation. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 is another example. Acts chapter 16 is talking about the verse, uh, talking about the situation that Paul and Silas were in, 
after they had set a young girl free who had been uh, bound by demons and she was uh, gaining lots of money for the people who owned this slave girl because through that demon possession, she could tell people's fortunes. And so she was set free by the apostle Paul, by the power of God when, when Paul uh, commanded the spirit to come out of her and the people who owned her were so upset because they no longer had a moneymaker here because she didn't have the ability to tell people's fortunes anymore. So they went and told lies on Paul and Silas and had them taken into custody and they were beaten. Verse 23 says, when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So he was making sure they're not going anywhere. They, they've been beaten. They've been taken into the innermost part. They've been not only uh, chained up, but they've got their feet fastened up. But it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now, when they prayed, what happened when they prayed? Tremendous power was made available when they prayed. They prayed and sang praises to God. So that means their prayers weren't, weren't the bluesy prayers. Their, their, their prayers didn't have the blues note to it. Amen. Oh, deep, dark. No, no, no. They, were, they, weren't talk, they weren't singing the hee-haw blues. They weren't singing gloom, despair, and agony on me. They weren't singing, I am a poor wayfaring stranger. I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. They weren't singing any of that. They were singing songs that brought joy, right? While they had prayed, and they prayed with such a note of victory. They prayed, and where did the power hit them first? The power hit them with joy. They're, they're now they're praising God. So the power was made available when they prayed, and now they're praising God loud enough for the prisoners to hear them. And it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You see where the power of God is at work? It's working to loose them from what's holding them in bondage. The, the, the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors opened. The prison walls didn't fall. It wasn't a cave-in. The doors opened. The doors opened and everyone's bands were loose. Now that's the kind of earthquake that only God can work. Only God, only the power of God. That was God's power. We have faith in the power of God. And God's power was made available. That tremendous power was made available when they prayed. When they prayed. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 18. I'm working on a building here. Working on a building, working on a building. Matthew 18, verse 18. Jesus is teaching. He says, Verily I say unto you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Did Elijah do that? Did he bind the, the rain? 
It was the will of God in heaven that it not rain. And it didn't rain for three years and six months, right? So he, he bound it, and it was bound. Whatever you loose on the earth, did he come back and did he loose that rain? When he prayed, the rain was loosed. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you, now that's just, that's just you can bind, you can loose. Now he says, now when two of you get together, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, and let me tell you, you don't have to be in the same room. You don't have to be on the phone at the same moment. If you're asking for the same thing I'm asking for, and we've agreed, we're going to pray about this. We're going to believe God for unity in our church family. We're going to believe for unity of vision. That's something God has had us praying about for over two years now. Unity, that there be such a oneness, a singleness of purpose, a singleness of heart, such a a saying of the same thing, seeing the same vision that our pastor sees, that we are in synchronous. God, if you're praying about that and I'm praying about that, we're both touching it. We're both touching it on the earth. Hallelujah. So he says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. Do you see the request? The request must be made. We can't say, well, if it's the will of God, it'll come to pass. It was the will of God for it to rain, but Elijah still prayed. He still prayed until he saw the cloud the size of a man's hand. Amen? He, he, he could have just said, oh, I, God said it's going to rain, so I'm going to go my way now. No, no. He was putting his, his authority on the earth under subjection to the will of God so that he could utilize his authority on the earth to bring into manifestation what God told him he wanted in that situation. Hallelujah. If any of you, if two of you, shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Hallelujah. So this ability that we have in our power of agreement, this ability is a privilege and a responsibility. It's a privilege... That we can, act, we can access this ability for our family, for our finances, for situations in our life. But it's also a responsibility because I can bring this ability to agree and ask in prayer to the local church. And I can help the plan of God in my local church change my community and minister to the people in my local church, and the people that God's going to bring into our local church. Hallelujah. 
So we want to see the responsibility that we have, not just for how this is going to affect us personally, but also how this can affect other people whose lives can be changed by the power of God that's made available in our prayers. Philippians 1.19. Hallelujah. Philippians 1.19. Let's see an example of this. Let's see an example. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the people at the church at Philippi. And he says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation. The situation that he was facing, the dilemma that he was in, the limitations he was experiencing, he said, I know that this shall turn to my salvation. How's it going to turn? Through your prayer. So he is identifying that their prayers are going to help him in his situation. Hallelujah. This will turn through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the, the turning is because they're going to pray and power is going to be made available. In the same way that it turned for Peter. In the same way that it turned for Paul when he and Silas had prayed in the jail, in the prison. He's saying, I know this will turn through your prayer. Let's also look at Let's go back to Acts 4. Acts chapter 4. And back up to verse 23 and 24. Being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. And they go on and they pray the rest of this prayer. Do you see what they did when they found that somebody was in trouble? They went back to their family, their church family, their company. And what did the church family do? They started praying. They started praying. He said, I know this is going to turn through your prayers. It was something that they were they were practiced in being quick to pray for each other, quick to make power available, quick to bring their, their agreement in. If you don't have a church family who agrees with you, who believes the way you believe, how are you going to find somebody that's going to agree with you when you need that, that person to join faith with you? It's going to be hard. You're going to have to search. You're going to, they're going to say, well, I don't believe that. God might be putting that on you to teach you something. I don't think I want you to pray for me. Thank you. Let me go to the next person. Can you agree with me about this? Right, right. You don't want that person agreeing with you because we're not in agreement. That's not unity. 
They're, they're going to say, Lord, give them a double dose of it because they really need a lesson learned. <laughs> right? No, no, no. I don't want those. No. Don't be prayer. Don't. Uh, let me find somebody who believes the way I believe. You know, when we first came to the Kansas City area, we had come from Nashville and we were looking for a church and we visited churches for a year. We visited churches for a year trying to find somebody who believed that God still heals. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said to my husband after months of going to church after church after church after church, I said, does anybody believe, are we weird? Are we weird that we believe God still speaks to people and that God will lead us and that God's a healer and that God's a good God? Is, are we weird? <laughs> because there were, it's just not everywhere you go that you can find people. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but it took us a while before we identified people who believe that the word of God is true, that Jesus still saves and Jesus still heals and Jesus still baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so we, we identify the value of having people who believe the way you believe. Hallelujah. So they prayed for each other. They prayed for each other. Now, I, I want to just shift my course a little bit here because I, wanna, I want to help us understand some of the important things for us to pray for each other. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for how you have joined us together. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans 15. And I, I want to, we're, we're looking at some New Testament examples of things they prayed, and these have been instruments for me. I've taken them out of the scripture and put them in my arsenal, and they work. My toolbox, you know, my, my prayer toolbox, and they work in our prayer toolbox. So Romans 15 and verse 30 through 33. Now, I, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The Weiss translation, Kenneth E. Weiss translation says that you would contend vigorously with me. Contend vigorously with me in your prayer. So in praying, there was a, a joining together of their forces to resist what was, what was adverse to their progress, that you would contend vigorously. Another translation says, unite with me in earnest wrestling in prayer. Well, we're not wrestling against God. We're wrestling this situation under subjection to the will of God. We're wrestling that situation that's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We're wrestling that, that flow of the curse that's trying to, to dominate in our lives when the blessing is what dominates in our lives. So he says, contend with me, strive together with me, unite with me in earnest wrestling 
in prayer, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe. You see how he's being specific in what he wants them to contend with me. I need you to put your prayer power together with me and make tremendous power available so that I would be delivered from them that do not believe and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted. Two different things, that I'd be delivered from those people that don't believe and that the saints would accept me that they would be favorable to what I'm preaching, that what I'm sent to preach, the service which I have, that they would be accepting of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this, this, this understanding that it can be the will of God And yet I need to bring a prayer supply to it is important for us to identify. Because a lot of people have adopted a a, a mindset of, well, it didn't happen that way, so it must not have been the will of God. Maybe it didn't happen that way because nobody made any power available for the will of God to, to be at work in that situation. You know, Mary had to bring a, a supply to the will of God. God said, you're going you're gonna to conceive and you're going to bring forth a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel and the government of David's going to be on his shoulders. She had to bring her supply to that. She said, be it unto me according to your word. I put my faith in agreement with that. I put my supply of power in agreement with that. And not only Mary, but all the prophets who prophesied it for years prior, who released their faith when they declared it. Do you see that? All of the, we got Simeon and Anna praying. What were they praying about? Anna had dedicated her life. Simeon had dedicated his life. They were there in the temple. What were they praying? They were praying out the plan of God over Jesus. Hallelujah. So he says, contend with me, unite with me in this wrestling for the will of God. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 11. You also helping together by prayer for us. You also helping together. This word helping means to aid along. To aid along. You also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. In other words, the gift we have of preaching the gospel, this gift that we have, have been sub, uh, uh, supplied with to distribute, that it would be received. You're going to help us by praying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our cooperation in prayer, I think, can you show me the amplified of that verse and see does it use the word cooperate? I have one translation that uses cooperate. While you also cooperate by your prayers for us. 
helping and laboring together with us. Hallelujah. So that praying is not just going into my prayer time to pray about my needs and then I'm done. Thank you, Lord. My four no more. Got this. Check, I've, I've checked off my, my prayer card. I got my, my, my time clock, you know, clocked in, clocked out, did my prayer time. But no, it's making myself available to pray about the situations that, that are on God's radar, situations that are, are in my local church, things that our, our pastor is endeavoring to move our church family into, that we're making tremendous power to the plan and the purpose of God on our church family, to pray for the maturing and the discipling and the expansion and the uh, departments and the, the growth of the, the youth and the children and all of the different, uh, making tremendous power available to that children's ministry so that when they come in there on Saturday, Sunday morning, they're not just trying to, to, from square one, have a power supply, but they walk into a power supply. Amen? Into that youth ministry on Wednesday night, there's a power supply because the whole church has been praying for the youth group and praying for the children's ministry and praying for the pastor, making tremendous power available to building faith and framing worlds by the word of God. When you make it available, remember what we saw in James 5? It says, when you're praying for one another, you're going to receive. Pray ye one for another that you might be healed. So I'm sowing it, but what's going to happen? I'm going to reap it. You know, in... In reading Dodie Osteen's testimony, hearing her testimony of, of healing, and she was healed of cancer. They had given her three weeks to live, said there's no treatment we can give you. Go home and enjoy the last few weeks of your life. And she went home and got scriptures out, and her husband prayed for her. No change in her physical symptoms, no change in her, her, her uh, uh, you know, uh, energy levels. She was still exhausted. She said she would crawl down the hallway to get the furniture polish out of the hallway closet and crawl around from each piece of furniture to dust her furniture because she said, I'm healed. I'm not going to stay in bed. But she didn't feel healed. There was no evidence that she was healed. But you know, one of the things that she did and still does, because she's alive today, one of the things that she did then and still does, she started going to the cancer ward at the hospital there in the community that she lived in and praying for people who had cancer. Amen. And she, in her own body, was suffering all of the effects of the cancer, but because she was standing on the Word of God, believing that she was receiving healing in her body, she went out and began to pray. Why? Because it says, when you pray one for another, you, that you may be healed. She recognized, I need to sow my faith because I need to reap my faith in this area. I need to sow it. When you bring your prayer supply to the purpose of God in our local church, it's going to increase your prayer stamina. It's going to increase your prayer ability. It's going to increase the flow of what's flowing in your life, and it's going to give you a greater uh, oomph, if you will. That's not a very uh, uh, scientific 
expression, but it's going to give you more unction in, and ability in your praying. So we see this, this aiding along, this helping, that you can help together by prayer for us. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, let's read 16 through 18. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all, 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 all of them, the fiery darts of the wicked. With the shield of faith, you can quench them all. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God never intended for our prayers to be only about us. Amen. He never intended for our... Definitely, he said, if you're afflicted, you should pray. If you're in trials, if you're in tribulations, if you're having a difficult time, the answer is prayer. He he said, when uh, uh, if if you cast your care upon him, when if you are be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Pray about it. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know if he hears us, we have the petitions that he to ask. He wants us to pray about our situations, but he never intended for that to be the sole realm of our praying, for that to be the main emphasis of our praying. Like you pray about your stuff, but first he said, first of all, first of all, who did he say to pray for? The leaders of your government so that you can lead a quiet and peaceable life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are other avenues of praying that need our responsible attention so that we are making power available and then that power is going to be working in us. He says, praying always with all prayer, all manner of prayer, all types of prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all, watching is a word that means be vigilant. And it's like when a, a shepherd is watching over their sheep they're watching for adversities. They're watching for, for predators. And so he says, you do that in prayer. In prayer, you can watch over things. You can guard over things in prayer. If you've been dealing with it, God's gonna, you're going to be one of the first one God comes to and says, hey, hey, you need to, you need to look at that again in prayer. Why? Because it's, it's under attack. You're, you've been one praying about it. He's not going to come and tap somebody on the shoulder who hasn't been any, given any attention in prayer to that thing. But when, when that person's been coming to God about it, talking to God about it, praying over that situation, when things start moving in that situation, God says, hey, hey, look at that. Watch over that. Give closer attention to that. So he says, watching with perseverance and supplication for all saints. Glory to God. So this praying, this, this supplication, this watching over is something that we are meant to bring to our brothers and sisters in Christ and in our local church family. Hallelujah. 
So the first time I ever saw the Apostle Paul ask for prayer in Scripture, I thought, what? Paul, I'm impressed with Paul. Paul, he's like amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm like, Paul, Paul needs somebody to pray for him. What? What? He's asking people to pray for him. Isn't that what he does right here in, in the same chapter? He's talking about praying, and he says, for all saints, and then what does he say? And for me. And for me. Praying for all saints and for me. And let me give you my specific prayer request, okay? Let me give you my specific prayer request. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me. Paul needed prayer for utterance? I mean, he, he, he preached, and, and first it was a revival, and then it was a riot, you know? He, he had quite a response to his preaching. You know, he's got revival, and everybody's like, whoa, Paul, Paul, Paul. And then there's people jealous because he got such a response. He, they're, they're upset that he's going to take them away from their doctrines and, and their control. And so they start all those lies about him, and next thing you know, there's a riot. Well, I don't think Paul had problems preaching then, do you? I mean, he caused such a revival that it caused the religious to turn into a riot. But he's saying, I need you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that utterance would be given to me. Utterance. This, this utterance that he is calling for is a, an, a door of utterance to be able to speak specifically in that situation. Speak and, and have the liberty to proclaim in that situation. He says, pray for me that utterance would be given to me, comma, pray that and pray this, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein... I may speak boldly. Boldly in the first, verse 19, is a different word than boldly in verse 20. In verse 19, it means courage to not draw back. Pray that I would speak and open my mouth with courage and that I wouldn't draw back from those, those rioters and those people who are causing trouble and telling lies. Pray that I would have that courage. But then in verse 20, the word is a word that means a reservoir. A reservoir. Pray that I would preach out of the reservoir of the revelation that God has given me, that Jesus has, has, uh, has sent me to minister. Pray that I would preach out of that supply. I need your prayers so that there can be an utterance the ability to speak it, the courage to speak it and not draw back, and that I would dip down into the revelation that Jesus has deposited, not just preaching out of my head, not just preaching out of what I know, but that I can deliver what I am assigned to deliver. Paul needed prayer, cooperation to make that available 
What could happen in our services if all of us prayed that for Pastor Steele? What if all of us just spent the next 30 days praying for Pastor Steele to have utterance? I wonder, do I have any volunteers? Would y'all join me in that? Just for the next 30 days, set it on your phone. Set a, set a calendar reminder so that at a certain time every day, maybe when you know you're going to be in your car driving to work, that alarm calendar ding comes up and it says, pray that pastor would have utterance. What if pastor was able to deliver out of his spiritual supply what God put in him to deliver to us? How much more could we know if he had that utterance made available? Not, it wasn't, it wasn't Paul's lack of ability. He's, he's not saying, pray that God would give me more ability. He had the ability to do it, but he needed the spiritual door open, that utterance door open. He needed that, that supernatural bringing it forth out of his spirit that only God can do. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4. I want you to see him refer to this utterance again. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. With all, praying also for us. Verse 2, let's start there. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all, praying also for us that God would open unto us. So this was not the first time that Paul had asked. He asked in the Ephesians church that they would pray. So this is a prayer request he keeps, uh, he, he keeps before people. Praying for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now he's called this utterance a door. And I, that's why I referred to it that way before. A door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. So I'm asking you to pray that, he said. I believe that the people here in the church at Colossae, I believe they prayed it. I believe the people at the, in the church in uh, Ephesus prayed it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. Hold your place. We'll come back to that in a minute. I want to go to 2 Corinthians. Go a couple of pages over to 2 Corinthians 2.12. He said, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. What was that door for? Utterance. To preach. So the door was for preaching. Now back up and look at this in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a, he says, I will tarry at Ephesus, verse 8, verse 9, for a great door and effectual. And that word effectual means a working active door. A working, after, a working active door. Active. It's the same that's used in Hebrews 4.12 when it says the word of God is alive, it's active, it's effectual. It's the same word. So this active, working door, he said it's full of power. This is the definition of the word effectual, 
full of power to achieve results. That's the kind of door we want open in the city, in the community around Kansas City Metro, here in, in between Lawrence and Eudora and Bonner and all of the, the areas, Leavenworth, around us. We want an effectual door, a working active door, a, a door that is full of power to achieve results. Hallelujah. A great door and effectual is open unto me. So it sounds like those people praying were getting some results. They got some results, didn't they? They had been praying for the utterance, this utterance door that Paul needed. They were praying for that utterance door and, and an effectual door was made available to him. Let's find out about the door a little bit closer. I'm going to back up to Acts. Now, Paul had preached at a number of places. He preached at Antioch. He preached at Lystra. He preached those, those uh, places, and they were, um, at first, very receiving, and the people were... Uh, getting saved and responding with, with that fervor and that excitement. And then the enemy came along, the adversary came along and stirred up trouble. And so he's had these great revivals followed by great riots. And now he has had to leave each of those places. He was able to establish churches in some of them, went back to some of them to follow up on that. And so he, in his ministry... He is attempting to move in to Asia. And it says here in Acts chapter 16. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. And verse 5. So were the churches established in the faith in those places that he had been, that he had experienced the revivals followed by the riots, he still was able to establish some churches there. They were increasing. And it says in verse 6, When they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Well, that's where they were. They thought they were going, but now the Holy Spirit says, No, I don't want you to go that way. So after they were come to Mysia, and they essayed or they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit said no. The Holy Spirit is leading them where to go. The Holy Spirit says no. That's not where I want you to go. And so they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Did he, we, we just read about him talking about Troas. And the door opened to him there. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying... Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach the gospel unto them. So he goes in this direction, following this place that was not what he originally set out for. Set out to go to Asia and the Lord directed him down to Troas. He, it, by a trial and error method, the Kenneth E. Weiss translation says, because when they 
first went, the Holy Spirit forbade them to go in that direction. He did not allow them to go into Mysia. And so they came down to Troas, and, they, and we saw from the other scripture in Corinthians that it was an open door. He said, I found an open door in Troas, a door of utterance in Troas, right? And so he's following this door. He's following this door, and then we see along his journey in chapter 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said, now Ephesus, we saw that one. He talked about that one too. In, in 1 Corinthians, he said, I'm going to remain in Ephesus this is the door we see in Ephesus. He said, because an effectual working door is open to me in Ephesus. We're, we're going to find this door here. Because he came to Ephesus and he found a few disciples, certain disciples. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They were baptized under John's baptism. They had not yet heard about Jesus. So Paul preached Jesus to them. They were baptized in Jesus' name. And immediately they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they were baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And then it says in verse 6, Paul laid his hands upon them and the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were 12. There were 12 people there. 12 people who had kept their, their group together under the teachings of John the Baptist, which was preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus has now been preached to them. They've accepted Jesus as Lord. They're born again. And now the Holy Spirit has come upon them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul takes this group of 12 disciples, 12 men... <coughs> And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse or different ones were hardened and believed not, but spoke evil of that way that he's preaching before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples. He takes this same twelve that he has encountered in Ephesus and however many others who maybe have joined him, he separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Now, I heard Rick Renner who has done a lot of historical work and he is a Greek scholar. He, he says the school of Tyrannus was like right centrally located in the middle of town and it, during the, the, the morning, it was used for the school. But then in the hotter part of the day, they, they would allow it to be used for other purposes. And so he's right there in like a central point in town. He's right there in a place where a lot of people, there's a lot of, of uh, different nationalities passing through this area. It says that he was in this place. He continued by the space of two years so that all 
which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. You know, Paul was trying to do this before, but the Holy Spirit knew where the door was. The Holy Spirit knew how to get him to an effectual door, a door of utterance. He knew how to get him into the place with the right group of people who he could, he could reach into that reservoir, that boldness in the Spirit, and, and pull out the revelation that needed to be brought out so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. And notice, when there is great utterance, the, the Lord confirms the word preached. He said, I will work with the word and confirm the word preached. Verse 11 says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. The special miracles are connected to the utterances. The preaching of the gospel, when we're in the the liberty, where the Holy Spirit has liberty to convey and to, to deliver the word and it's being received and there are hungry disciples reaching for it, applying it, tracking with the pastor, going in that flow and allowing those, those utterances not just to be uttered and go in one ear and out the other, but they're, they're being uttered and they're changing our lives. The preaching of the gospel is not for the hearing. It's for the doing. He said, don't be hearers only. Be hearers who do. Because hearers only are like people who look at the mirror and say, I've got egg on my face, but who cares? I'm just going to go all day with egg on my face. I saw it in the mirror. I looked at it in the mirror, but I'm not going to do. I heard it, but I'm not going to do. He said, don't be hearers only, but be doers. The hearing is for the doing. The hearing is to produce faith that we act on. Hallelujah. The utterances are, are for the life changing. So this door of utterance, this working door, God was able to work special miracles because Paul was able to preach out of that reservoir. He was able to preach the gospel in a way that it was, it was impacting their lives. All they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. That's what we want. We want the word to go forth. We want what the book of Acts describes as the word multiplying. When you teach the youth, you want the, the word multiplying. When you teach the children, you're multiplying the word. You're taking that word and you're putting it in their hearts and it's multiplying. Hallelujah. When you're sitting in, in the sanctuary and we're, the word is multiplying in you. And then you go out and you share what changed your life with somebody else and it just multiplied again. And you're making disciples. Hallelujah. This is the plan that God has for us. But notice, Paul had people praying for that door. 
Paul had people praying for that utterance. That utterance didn't just happen because Paul was some phenomenal preacher. It happened because he understood we need to make tremendous power available. I can't get this done on my own. I need the help of the saints making their power available in prayer so that I can preach with an utterance, so that I can preach with a boldness, so that I, I would I pray for me that utterance would be granted to me. So let's start. Let's make this day number one. And let's agree together as touching on the earth that our pastor would have utterance and that he would preach from the boldness, from that reservoir of what God has deposited in him for us and for the people that are going to be coming to this church family. Father, we lift up our pastor to you and we join our faith in asking you, touching this thing, that you would grant unto Pastor Philip Steele boldness, boldness. Grant unto him an utterance. Give him an utterance to speak, a door of utterance in our community, a door of utterance in Arkansas, a door of utterance on a national scale. Give us a door, Father, through our pastor. Give our pastor a door of utterance and let him have a boldness to minister to us from that reservoir of the anointing, that reservoir of that revelation of what you've called him to minister. Lord, let there be such an accuracy in what he brings in every service that we are, we are uh, uh, multiplying and moving into that effective working door in our community. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 When um, before we came to this church, the pastor who was here was about to retire. There, we came to visit, I think. Uh, uh, we had been invited, and pastor came and ministered. Uh, but we found out that there had been a prayer meeting going on with some of the ladies. Sister Kathleen was one of those ladies. Her mom was involved in that, and Pastor Marie. And the three of them, is, was there others besides those three? The, the three ladies would come and join in prayer and knowing that their pastor was retiring, they began praying for a pastor who would be bold. <laughs> and Pastor Marie said, after Pastor got here, she goes, I don't know what I asked for. I did not know what I asked for. Because she thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> but a lot of us could say thank you to those three ladies in their Amen. prayers. Amen. Because if that prayer had not opened the door for pastor and for God to speak to pastor to take this church and the responsibility of, of directing this church, the reason they were praying for boldness is because there were a lot of people who, who wanted to run the church and not let the pastor run the church. And so there was a, a lot of controversy in that first year. 
as pastor held his ground and 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 preached the word and uh there were people who left because the pews left the pews were breaking and falling apart i mean somebody sat down in the pew and it broke and it was just like we need some new and they left when the pews left because the pews left and when the hymnals the hymnals were falling apart they were dusty they were smelly and we took the hymnals out and we put it we're going to put the songs right there for you you don't even have to turn to page 179 we're going to still sing some hymnal songs but they said, I'm going down to the other church where they have hymnals. Okay. But the word was going forth, and lives were getting changed. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget Rosemary Allred. She said, we were preaching about uh, patience. And she said, now, we have been taught we do not pray for patience because if you pray for patience, God's going to put you through all kinds of trouble to teach you patience. And I said, well, it's a fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to pray for it. It's yours now. You've already got patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You've got to cultivate it. And if you put patience to work, if you put patience to work, it'll work in that situation. But God's not going to bring situations to make patience come to you. Situations are going to come whether you pray for patience or not, but you better hope you got some patience to help you through it. She was so thankful that we had taught it. She, your mom said to me, Sister Jean Tillery, she said to me, now I just want to say that I feel like I'm being brainwashed, but I'm glad about it because I needed it because I had such wrong thinking I needed it to be washed with the word because everything you're saying is in the Bible. She was using that example of brainwashing in a good way because she said, what I had was wrong thinking, and this is helping me see clearly how to work the word. What if those ladies had never prayed? What if they said, Lord, whatever your will is, just whoever, just give us a good little old pastor. What if they had not been specific? Lord, we want someone who's going to direct this church in your plan. We want someone who is going to be bold to stand against those who are trying to take us in a different direction. Lord, we want, what if they hadn't prayed that prayer? We might not know each other, but praise God. I just want to say this. How many people are going to look back and say, you know, I found a sermon from 20 years ago where they started praying this, and we're walking in what they were praying in. They started praying that, and pastor had a door of utterance open to him, and it was able to launch us into uh, the expansion and the, the, the growth that we had been endeavoring to move into. Hallelujah. What we're praying other people are going to get to live in it and experience the benefit of it. Amen? Stand with me to your feet.